my one piece of advice, and it's kind of always been this, is just to start writing and have a quote portfolio. And again, a portfolio could be your LinkedIn page. It could be Facebook page. It could be a medium blog, or it could be your own blog, say on WordPress, which is usually what I recommend, but I know that that comes with some costs. So if you start publishing your own content and getting some writing examples out there, it's much easier to more quickly get paying clients. I think if you're sitting around sort of waiting about how to define your brand and what your logo is going to look like and who your target audience is and like all these other overwhelming things of being a freelancer, then you're delaying the most important part is to just get some clients in the door. And to do that, you just kind of have to have a couple work examples and then the stuff just starts happening. And so when I first started, I had like a goal, I think to make like $1,500 a month as a writer. And I was like, oh, I'm going to reach that in like six months. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to just try and like start posting about content and blogging and stuff like that. And I think I got my first client the first month and my second client the second month. And I was making $1,500, I think by the second month. And then it just kind of scaled up quickly. And I'm like, thank God I didn't wait six months to launch my brand and get a logo and define my value prop and finesse all my blog articles, you know? Like, so I think kind of just hunkering down, getting content out there and learning a lot as you go along, just get some like clients in the door. My whole goal is like get paid first and then you have some money to put into a brand once you're sure what your brand is gonna be. You don't need a fancy website. That's why I mentioned Medium and stuff like that. But if your prerogative is like, man, I just really need to get clients, like get some clients as quickly as possible because that's where the experience is gonna be. That's when you're gonna start learning what you like, what you don't like, the kinds of clients that you enjoy working with, the ones that you can't bear to work with again. And then your brand will come from that. If you can't just launch with like, this is my brand and my identity. And it's like, you don't know yet. So <laughs> just try to get some clients in the door. Start a portfolio or a landing page or something that gets your face online with some content. And I think you'll be surprised by like how quickly people will notice you and be like, oh, I see that you write content. You wanna write for me? So yeah, that would be my major piece of advice. Do you ever wish you could read a client's mind and understand what they're looking for so that you could tailor your online presence and your pitch to exactly what they need? Well, that is what this interview is going to do for you. I'm interviewing Jessica Foster. She's somebody that runs her own SEO writing agency. She's someone who hires writers and edits their work. And she really pulls back the curtain in terms of what she looks for when hiring a writer. We talk a lot about SEO and how to master those skills. And we discuss AI, what the future of content and copywriting is now that ChatGBT is here. I really like the insight that she was able to offer as somebody who is obviously using these tools in her business. And it's good to understand where she sees this going. If you are looking for free, highly valuable tips on copywriting, content writing, and just service-based business management techniques, definitely subscribe down below so you're the first to know when I drop two new videos every week. Okay, Jessica, let's just jump right into it. And I want to ask you about your background and how you got into copywriting. Yeah, for sure. And thanks for having me. So my background is really in SEO first. My first job was as a SEO manager, essentially at a marketing agency, fresh out of college, I studied psychology for what it's worth. And I found the world of SEO really interesting in terms of managing a website, writing content, and that kind of got me into website content. For the SEO agency I worked for, I was writing our blog articles and a lot of the client content. And the technical side of SEO wasn't so interesting to me at the time. And so 
I got really into SEO content writing specifically and, you know, kind of just being a young millennial, I was like, man, I really don't want to work the agency life forever. So I was like, how do I go about starting my own business? And I really wanted to get into the digital nomad sort of way of life. And so I originally started my own SEO agency because that's what I knew best collectively. But then over time, I realized that I could niche down and focus on SEO content writing and content strategy specifically. I didn't see a lot of people doing that or freelance writers who could write SEO content, but weren't specializing in it. And I found a really good sort of gap in the market, as they put it, between just sort of generalized freelance writers and then SEO strategists. A lot of marketing agencies were looking for SEO writers, and that's where I kind of found my way there. And so I've been doing that, I think now for like eight years, specializing on SEO content writing now a lot more on content strategy. And so I love it. And that's what I talk about with a lot of my, you know, blog content and stuff like that now. What do you think the key is to a good SEO content writer? You know, I think the, the real way to sell SEO writing is if you're able to demonstrate results with your SEO writing. So I hire writers also, and I train writers and a lot of times they can follow SEO best practices. They know what it means to sort of format a piece of SEO content, but if they don't have an understanding fundamentally of why we're creating this content, which is to generate organic views and that the search volume of those keywords are based on real user interest, then if you just write a piece of content and then you kind of never follow up on it, then it's really hard to create case studies of your SEO content. And it's really hard to demonstrate that value to potential clients, right? You could just say, oh, you know, I write SEO content and now a lot of freelance writers know how to do that. But if you're able to put case studies together or say, you know, like I rewrote this website and all of their service pages and, you know, they were, weren't getting any organic traffic at all. And now they're getting 20 visitors per month. You know, it doesn't have to be massive numbers, but just being attention to the numbers, you're able to demonstrate that value more than a lot of other freelance writers can. And so having worked on big projects now, I have even more significant case studies, but a lot of times you're going to start working for like small businesses and smaller agencies where they're like any organic traffic would be great. You know, we went from zero to 20, like I just mentioned, can be a huge bonus to small businesses. So like my mom has a, a, a law firm, a small, small law firm. It's just like three people in the office. They weren't getting any organic traffic. We rewrote some of their service pages. They get at most, maybe 50 organic visitors per month, but that's about two new cases for them. And that is massive for a small loan firm. So I think to answer your question more directly, the way to demonstrate value as an SEO writer is to be able to highlight the results that your content generates for clients. And I, and I talk about this in one of my videos in terms of growing a portfolio when you don't have any examples, just test out on your own blog, or maybe like if a family has a blog like, you know, just write some content and see what happens. Most clients I realized don't really care to dig deep into your background to know like who you produce this content for. That's more like, have you produced content? Has it generated results? Yeah. For me, I find it to be tough because I write for B2B technology companies with pretty large marketing departments. And I find that they're not super straightforward and they don't always share the traffic information with me. Do you think that's just because maybe I'm not doing a good job of asking for it? Or do you find that too, that they keep it close to the vest and that they don't always share that with a subcontractor? 
So yes, but there are, so I encountered this very early on, right? Because I was like, how do I demonstrate that I am unique from other writers and can demonstrate that value that during my onboarding with new clients, I always ask them if they have Google analytics and Google search console, one or the other is probably enough for you for a writer's purposes and whether I can get access to those. And like maybe 60% of the time, especially for the larger clients, like enterprise level that do, or sort of like, we're not going to share out our data, but there are workarounds for that. Just be like, Hey, you know, like as an SEO content writer, I'm really interested to know like the results that the content is generating. So if you could let me know after it's gone live, maybe a couple of weeks down the line, if it's generated any traffic, sometimes just an email recap from the client is enough. Like you might not get direct access to GSC or GA. You might not get screenshots even, but you know, like even one of my larger enterprise clients could not get to data directly, but the marketing manager wrote like a testimonial for me and mentioned kind of the organic growth and conversion rate improvement on that content and stuff like that, where you can add those reviews, testimonials, or what are they? recommendations on LinkedIn, your Facebook page, maybe your Google page, if you have one, stuff like that. So you don't always need access to the data, but I would say if during your onboarding, it's always good to ask because if you can get it, that's awesome. You can use the screenshots in your, your case studies. Sometimes you just have anonymous case studies. Sometimes I'll be like, I wrote SEO content for a FinTech company, something like that. So yeah, again, to answer that question, I think you should always ask. And then if you can't get access to the direct data, or they're like a little like uh, ambiguous about it, just be like, Hey, you know, I want to know the direct result of this content. If after this engagement, you can just kind of let me know broad figures, that would be awesome. But you, you'd be surprised at how much they're willing to sort of disclose because they also like to brag a little bit <laughs> about like traffic increase and stuff like that. So when you hire content writers, is that a big thing you look for? It's like, okay, is this person somebody who just knows SEO best, best practices or are they somebody who really has a firm grasp of SEO and can perform keyword research on their own? For my purposes, so there's there's kind of two different tracks. If they're working for my agency, I'm pretty flex flexible because I do a lot of training in-house and also have a lot of SOPs and templates and things like that and like manage it very, very closely. So I know even like very junior level SEO writers might have been writing SEO content from a best practices point of view, but they need kind of that next step up. And so for my own agency, I'm a lot more flexible. It's like, you don't even have to have demonstrated like a traffic increase sort of from your content, just as long as you kind of understand fundamentally what we're trying to do more than just sort of game search engines. I, I encounter that a lot that I have freelance writers that formulaically know how to write SEO content, but the purpose, right, is that your content is kind of objectively better than what's currently ranking. So not just having a better headline, but the content overall is good. So if I read the content, I'm like, this is kind of like not well-written, not very interesting. It's not presenting any new value, but yes, the SEO components are there. That's a lot harder sort of to train out than a really good writer who has no idea of SEO and they just need help with like kind of the, the, the components. If I'm hiring an SEO writer specific for a client, so sometimes I'm helping them source other writers or I'm doing referrals, it's a little bit more of, hey, you've demonstrated this value before because I'm not going to be training them and I'm also advocating for their work. So yeah, it kind of just depends on how I'm sourcing the writers. But I would say, you know, if you're a really, really good writer and you don't know SEO, Oh, SEO writing, you can learn it. You know, I think most clients are looking for a writer who's going to write really good content. So it's much easier to kind of 
get brushed up on the SEO best practices than a writer who's like, I know SEO, but the content is just kind of average, unfortunately. Yeah. And I do find that my clients have, I guess it depends on the size of the organizations you're working for, but my clients do tend to have these kind of built out SEO functions separately where they're producing these really high quality briefs that are super detailed and break down all of the competitors who are ranking. It's interesting. I feel like I'm probably that writer that falls on the spectrum of having a really solid knowledge of the best practices. But if if you ask me to use like Ahrefs and create like a content strategy based on certain keywords, that would probably be really difficult for me. I would say though, if you are interested in SEO writing specifically, and that's like where you want to double down your expertise in having an understanding of Ahrefs or SEMrush or some keyword research tool is definitely a huge value add. It's not required if your clients have those capabilities in-house because a lot of big companies, like you said, have SEO and marketing departments and they use those tools They create really robust briefs that you might not even need that. So during my onboarding, I also ask, is like an SEO brief going to be provided? Do you need keyword research? And I would, I'm kind of divert to say that sometimes they do provide keyword research and it's not great. So as an SEO writer, if you're able to distinguish or let's say you're able to dis- if you're able to understand the fundamentals of keyword research then it makes your writing even better and you can also be informed as a strategist on like what the keyword target should be but knowing how to use keyword research tools is really valuable it's not required but i would say a lot of new seo writers don't start working with those major enterprise level companies or the ones that have in-house marketing departments, it might be small businesses that have no idea. And so they might have some topics in mind, but if you're selling to those types of clients or those who are less informed about SEO, then knowing keyword research is going to be sort of your best friend there because the keyword research determines which terms are searchable and what you're writing for. So it kind of just depends on like what your target market is and like your potential clients, are they informed on SEO and they got all of that covered or if they're not, then you do the keyword research. And that's sort of how I got into content strategy is some of my clients have no idea. And they're like, we know we want blog articles, but we don't know what to write about. So it's a good way to kind of up your value, i.e. your rates, if you can do the keyword research and strategy yourself. Yeah. How would you, how did you learn SEO, like as an absolute beginner, did you take courses? Did you consume free content online? Yeah, that's, I mean, I was a sponge. (laughs) I think a lot of people will say that, but when I was working at the SEO agency, obviously it was a lot of learning through like fire hose, right? Just learn all the SEO. And so I'm learning it from people who are doing it. But when ultimately, when I wanted to start my own business, it was, I was reading a lot of blog posts and watching a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I don't think I took a writing course. I've always been a pretty good writer, but the SEO side, I just had to learn it by sort of doing it. So I started a blog. It was called True Toast at the time. It was about millennial entrepreneurship and business, which I was interested in. I had a lot of just Facebook contacts that were doing, they had their own businesses, they were writing content. And I was like, here, let me repurpose this as blog articles, but how do I get it to rank? So I was Googling, you know, SEO best practices for content and stuff like that. So at least, and that's kind of one of my biggest recommendations for SEO writers is if you have a blog, you're able to test it and not worry if anything breaks really. And you kind of figure out what contents people are searching for, how to format it in a way that's going to rank particularly well. And so, I mean, I think it was 
over the course of six months that I was like really doing a lot of learning while doing. And I got some of my first writing clients and started demonstrating results. So it's never like a very straightforward track. It wasn't like, oh, I took this massive course and like learned everything I needed to know. But I would say that no course on SEO writing is like solidly out there that I've been like, okay, this is really applicable to freelance writers. Some of them are very focused on SEO specifically. And so that's why my channel, I try to talk about it specific for, for writers, because it's like, we have very creative minds. We have a different way of thinking of things. And some, some of the SEO courses out there are just like technical SEO and like core web vitals and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, that doesn't really apply to the content that I'm writing. So it is, it's kind of like a mosaic of different sources, videos and things like that, but you do pick things up over time. I think just having a passion to learn that stuff is obviously going to drive you to pick it up eventually. That's really where I struggle with what you were talking about with like the technical aspect of it, because if it were just as simple as formatting the piece and including the keywords and like the H2 headings and weaving it in throughout the piece in a way that's conversational and still creates high quality information, all that stuff that I think it's, I can understand it's when you start talking about off page SEO and the backlinking and the domain authority and all that stuff, that's where my mind just starts to explode. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so overwhelming. And it's, it's venturing into math territory of like looking at spreadsheets and talking about analytics. And that's where I get intimidated. Yes. And you're not alone in that. And I am sort of that way too, though. I'm a lot more familiar with technical SEO as an SEO strategist myself, but I would say specific for writers, if you're doing onboarding with a client, it is much easier if your client is un informed on SEO and they're sort of like, we'll handle the technical side. Like we have a development team or we have a developer that runs our website. And so you don't have to concern yourself so much with the page speed and the mobile optimization and stuff like that. Cause you're not a developer, you're a writer. So I think a lot of writers get intimidated by the technical SEO side and they're like, I need to know how to do this. And it's, it's a different skill set. You, I think you should understand maybe what some of those components are as they pertain to content. So like what a H1 heading even is the fact that it's a coded element on the page, you don't need to know how to code it. You just need to know how to write the content that goes in it. And the developer is ha having coded it. So an off-page SEO, totally different territory. That's kind of like their content marketing managers or PR team. That's going to leverage like brand partnerships to try and get backlinks like that's not really your area unless you're like oh i'm going to be writing guest posts for them but even so you're not doing the outreach so i think you really shouldn't concern yourself too much with the technical side the where it becomes difficult is if you're working with like a very small sort of mom and pop business that don't have like development resources they don't have a marketing team they don't know they don't know how to run their website and they're sort of hoping your seo content will be their saving grace for organic traffic sometimes it does have a massive increase though i would say like you know using my mom's website as an example we had one you know web developer who was available for ad hoc projects but really wasn't managing the website all we had to do is publish publish SEO content and they got a traffic lift. So it wasn't like, oh, we needed all these other things in order to rank. But, you know, it is a little bit more difficult, especially if they have unrealistic expectations, which it's really hard to work with clients like that anyway across any industry is if they have they're hoping you're going to just save the day. It doesn't quite work like that. So 
I think a lot of times SEO writers do end up wanting to work with these bigger clients or working with agencies because they have those capabilities in-house and they don't have to worry about it. They're like, I'm one piece of this larger puzzle. It's not like someone's looking at me to be the whole puzzle and drive all other organic traffic. But I mean, I think if SEO is an interest to you, you're going to just naturally gravitate to learning more about those things and maybe you'll become more of a content strategist. But most writers like don't need to know much in terms of technical SEO. And that's why, you know, is really focusing on the content fundamentals and sort of the philosophy of SEO content more than the technical side. Because I like to say like Google's whole purpose was to sort of digest the world's information and make it available to users. And what it's trying to do is provide the best piece of content for what a user is searching for. So if you can't objectively write really good content, like all the technical stuff in the world is not going to help it rank. So, you know, I mean, I would focus on the actual quality and substance of the content first, and then optimize according to best practices. You're going to get a lot farther with that than any technical SEO. Yeah. I, I, whenever I'm consuming content about SEO and listening to people like Neil Patel, they do drive that home where they're like, the goal is to inform the reader and understand their intent. And it's a matter of, did they get what they needed from the content or did they have to navigate off the page to find more answers? So I think Google's getting to the point where it's like, it really is more about high quality content. Whereas in the way, way past, it was like about keyword stuffing. Right. Yeah. I think it is a very traditional issue of overthinking. I think people hear SEO content and they're like, oh man, I need to know that I have the right keyword density and the right headings and things like that. And I think if you're focused on the user and the value of the content, it will sort of inform what the headings need to be. Whether you're using a certain search term in that heading is like, yeah, ideally you're including the target search term. So one, it's like visually scannable. So people know what they're reading as they go through. So it serves that purpose, but also Google bots like picking it up. But, you know, if you're overthinking, like, what does the heading need to be? It's like, let's step back. Like you're, you're writing an article about digital marketing. What would someone who Googles digital marketing want to know? What are the sections of that piece of content that would be valuable to them? It doesn't matter what Google thinks because Google's whole purpose is to provide value. So maybe there's a section on what is digital marketing? What are the fundamentals of digital marketing? Why is digital marketing valuable for businesses, right? What are the primary strategies that work in 2023? Things like that. Like, and, and this is a little bit more advanced, but as you get into it, right, if you go to the Google search results and see what's performing well, you'll get some hints at what should be included in your article. So if the top ranking one is talking about, you know, top 10 strategies for 2023 sort of thing, you're like, well, obviously Google is valuing this. Users are probably valuing it. It's good information to potentially have in my article. And so that's where like the SERP analysis comes in, right? You're not like, like technically picking apart the article. You're more like, what's valuable in this content that should be at least in mine, if not more value in mine. <laughs> and so I think a lot of people have interpreted this all to be, oh, my content just needs to be longer. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it needs to be more helpful ultimately. And the headings will be informed by that. How you optimize them is kind of like secondary. So I think I just kind of reemphasize this point because I do think writers overthink this, which we're all um, inclined to do. But, you know, I think if you understand users and let's say people, not just users, but people and what, how they might search for things, then you'll kind of have a good idea of what needs to be in the content. Yeah. And as copywriters, we're all really supposed to be kind of getting in the mind or 
you know, the psyche of a person anyway, in order to write good copy. So I guess that kind of goes hand in hand. What would you say is the difference between writers today that are able to charge really high rates versus the ones that are taking low paying projects still? I think it is a confidence component. And I, I know that it's like chicken or the egg, right? Like, oh, I have demonstrated work experience and that's why I'm confident. Not necessarily. I think, and that's why I kind of market the confident content writer in that sense, because I think writers who are able to charge more go into a client conversation, being able to say and describe what it is that they do and why they do it that way. It doesn't have to have the most experience behind it, but I think if you are a instruction taker, so the client is telling you what to do and you're kind of like passively assuming assignments, they don't value you so much as a strategist. And I think a lot of freelancers are actually strategists in their own way. And they're sort of like, oh, well, you're just sort of a, I hate to say this, but cast aside sort of resource that is dispensable. I can exchange you for any other general writer versus being like, oh, this is what I suggest that we do. This is how I suggest that we formulate the content based on what I think I know about the audience. And you don't have to definitively always know what the direction is, but to just be a little bit more active in the project and have an opinion on things and not just take assignments, but rather kind of sell yourself, I think helps people, you know, clients see you more as like a marketer and an equal to them. And they're more inclined to pay more. And then on the backside of that is, obviously the portfolio, which I think people get totally overwhelmed by. They're like, I need this massive portfolio with all these case studies and stuff. In my eight experience of writing, if you can produce like three different examples, most clients just glance at that and they're like, oh, she's written before (laughs) sort of thing. And that could be on medium. It could be on your own blog. It could be on your aunt's recipe blog that you wrote an article for over time. Obviously you're going to get more examples and you can kind of tailor that. Like maybe you're focusing on digital marketing now. And those are the three examples that you highlight but you could just write anything anywhere and, you know, showcase that as your work. I think having some sort of platform, whether it's your LinkedIn profile, Facebook page, or a website helps kind of set you apart as well, because people can learn about you, see your work examples. It kind of frames you as more of a professional rather than someone just waiting around for random writing gigs. But the confidence thing, I think it's, it's hard because I think if people are starting from zero, they're like, well, I don't really have experience. And like, how do I enter this conversation? And it's sort of a fake it till you make it mentality. Uh, this client is coming to you because they can't write the content themselves or they don't want to. So you inherently have something to add to that. They're coming to you because they need a service that they either can't produce themselves or they can't do it very well. And so I think a lot of writers are like, oh, you know, I don't have any experience. It's like, well, someone is coming to you for a reason and you're bringing value to that conversation and sort of if you can hold your own well, I think that sets you apart from a lot of others that are just sort of waiting passively for writing assignments and are kind of doing exactly what they're told to do rather than having opinions about how the content should be framed. And if you encounter any client that's like kind of a bully, then you don't really want to work with them anyway. I know most of us don't have that choice when we first get started, but over time, you'll know those kind of personalities that just want to be ordering your around versus actually valuing your opinions and thoughts. Yeah. yeah. That's been one of like the biggest learning lessons for me is walking away from certain clients. Cause it's not a personality fit and kind of trusting that you're closing a door and leaving room for a better fit to come in. But like you said, that's really hard when you're first starting out, but it, I think you can save yourself so much heartache and burnout by embodying that sooner. 
And I do want to talk about like the privilege of being like Caucasian female writer in the United States who's like English is my native language sort of thing. So I have a lot of writers that I've mentored and are followers of my channel that English is not their first language and they do struggle to sort of communicate. But at the same time, a lot of them, once they sort of assert themselves, they might not be the most excellent writer and they maybe need more help in terms of editing. The ones that are able to have opinions about where the content should go do so much better than the ones that are just sort of waiting for assignments to happen to them. So I have a writer right now who like is pretty often, not constantly, but in my inbox proposing like content ideas and having just sort of a little bit more of an active involvement in the strategy from my own blog, which I really, really appreciate. And that sort of way he's positioned himself, I think is very different from a lot of writers. The content still needs a lot of editing in terms of sort of the conversational tone of it, if you will. So I think a lot of people that come from those circumstances, they're like really deterred. They think they're going to always just make like significantly less or people going to devalue them. And that's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of businesses like my own and my clients that are willing to work with writers that maybe have a little bit less experience, but the ones that are more actively involved in the strategy process. Yeah. Showing that tenacity. I think that I'm so happy you brought that up because there are so many non-native English speakers who do want to get into copywriting and they do feel like the odds are stacked against them. So that's, I really like what you said. It's like, there is a portion of it that is in their control, which is their tenacity and just being genuinely interested in a company's content strategy and how they can provide value. Tell me about, and we'll end it on this. You mentioned kind of there's a difference between writers who are putting their ideas forward versus the other writers who can kind of be cast aside because they're quote unquote order takers. And that makes me think of the AI topic and what the future is and the outlook and how we can get ahead of that. Because there's, I mean, it's, everyone's talking about it. I'm kind of sick of seeing posts about it at this point because I'm, of course I'm interested in it, but it's all anyone seems to be talking about. I don't know if that's the algorithm mirroring back to me what I'm in, like what I've searched in, in some point. Yeah. And if you follow me, then you'll probably hear even more about it. I'm on my pedestal about it a little bit because I see so many writers voicing their concerns about it and marketers, right? It's not just writers that are concerned that it's taking their jobs. It's a lot of marketers that are sort of curious about how things are going to evolve. And I think if, even if you're bored of the conversation, it's still worth paying attention to what, how people are talking about it and how the technology has changed. I've never been a huge user of AI tools. So there's Jasper AI and I think some others that are content generators. And that hasn't been because I have a prejudice against them or any sort of real opinion about it. I think chat GPT has changed the game for me because of how conversational the content is that is produced and how quickly it's able to provide answers to complex questions that really aid the research process for a writer and also help with the outlining process. So I think that tool specifically is a valuable tool for writers if they kind of figure out how to use it. Big caveat being that I've noticed that that chat GPT has produced duplicate content. So I wouldn't just take it and market it as your own. Someone somewhere else on the web might get the exact same content as you. So be very careful of that. But it definitely helps with outlining, research, answering questions, producing engaging blog topics, albeit without the search volume. So there's a lot of value with it. Is it going to replace writers? Probably not. Like I just, the content value is still not there that I would post it on my blog as is minus the blog I just did to demonstrate how it writes, but the other content, I wouldn't use it for that. And I think a lot of marketers are testing it out and they're like, oh, this is great. But 
ultimately, if you're trying to write content that sells or engages that those AI tools do not do that. They don't have a database of your audience and your business value and you know all of those things you're trying to highlight in your content. It's only as powerful as the data ha- it has available to it, which is somewhat limited. So it doesn't have your knowledge of what your audience is interested in. It doesn't have your it doesn't understand your offer and how to sell it. So all those different things are totally missing from the content. It doesn't have your conversational tone or your way of talking to your audience, which for my brand is like kind of quirky and funny. So a lot of that, a lot of stuff is still missing. So I think as a writer, you can definitely use it to help streamline some of your operations and processes. But in terms of your value compared to AI, like you have so much more to offer than most of these tools. And I think if marketers can't see that, it's that's their prerogative. They're, you're probably not a great fit with them. I know a lot of people are testing it out and over time, they're probably going to see that it's not as great as everyone's making out to be. But, you know, I see a lot of writers right now. I, my friend actually just posted and it's like, you know, some posts about what makes her different from AI and everyone's like hyping her up and stuff. And I see a lot of writers doing that. It's like, yeah, AI is awesome in its own way, own way, but like, see what I can do. And this is why it's valuable and stuff like that. So I think the writers that get it are talking about it. And the writers that are scared are kind of like passively like worrying about it. And I don't think you have to worry about it as much as people are. I think there's a lot of benefit in it, but ultimately it's a tool that helps with the, like the prompts and the research and the source building and things like that, but not so much on the written content from what I've seen. Jasper is also limited. It's very generic content that you could probably find anywhere else. And you know, the whole purpose if we get back to the point of SEO content is you're providing more value than what already exists. So if AI is producing a rewrite of what already exists is not providing anything inherently more valuable. So, you know, as an SEO writer, if you're trying to sell it, be like, you know, I am able to understand researching, you know, organic content and understanding your target audience and providing more value than currently exists in the marketplace. Like AI is not able to do that. Do you think on a macro level though, it will limit the amount of opportunities for writers as a whole, just because I'm wondering if some marketers will see that they can write a bit faster or write with a little bit less resources, therefore rely on fewer writers? I won't lie. I think, yes, it probably will. Because I see marketers using it and testing it out and writing, you know, their, let's say, Instagram copy with it and LinkedIn copy. I see it potentially for social copy, for sure, that might limit the opportunities for blog, not so much because chat GPT, as far as I can tell, can't produce long form and Jasper is not great at producing long form, but I, I mean, I would love to see sort of even a couple months from now, how that plays out in terms of driving engagement and value and conversions and stuff that marketers might get burnt out on this content is my hunch. I know a lot of marketers that post about like, oh, I'm using this and stuff. And I don't know if that means they're not using their freelance writer anymore. So totally possible, but the world of opportunity that exists out there, I think is still very massively large. So, I mean, I can't measure it because I don't have real numbers to say how many people have switched from hiring writers to using AI. That would be an interesting sort of peek into that. But I think if you have a client and they're like, oh, I'm going to use AI instead, I'd be like, what the hell? So I don't know, like, okay, if you think AI is better than me, then like, I'm either doing something really wrong or you just really don't see my value. And it's not, this is, not great. Anyway, there's other people out there, marketers, business owners, even that have kind of a chip on their shoulder about AI also, and are like purposely hiring writers and not using AI. So you kind of have the other side of things. I'm not 
massively concerned, but I could say, I could see how some marketers have decided not to write, hire writers. Is it going to massively affect the, affect the industry for the long term? I don't think so, but hopefully I'm not eating my words. Knock on wood. <laughs> if you can leverage it, if you can kind of twofold be like, here's how I'm using AI to benefit content and here's the value that I add, then you're kind of riding that trend wave pretty well. That's the thing is like, I, I'm using it pretty heavily to write long form content, but it's very obvious that it it, it does not deliver a finished product in at all. Like there's a lot of oversight that is needed to create a piece of content. And like you said, there's no guarantee about where it's coming from. So plagiarism and making sure the ideas are original are, are that takes a lot of time and like effort mm -hmm. to make sure that you're not putting out duplicate content. So I guess my thing is that when chat GPT first came on the scene, I was surprised at its capability, even though it can't do the full job. And what scares me, I think, and what does make me nervous is how fast it's progressing and whether or not we can comprehend how fast it's progressing specifically because they had, I think, a million users sign up within the first week. And then the, the machine is learning from everything that is going into it from users. So I think that's my like Iraq because I get some really alarmed emails from writers being like, you don't understand. I just saw this presentation on AI and I think this is really it for us. And I think that's like the alarmist side, but then there's the other side of me that's like, okay, we all need to double down and really, like you said, get clear on what we offer that is different from AI and stay up on the trends because what it can do is going to keep progressing. Right. I think it is a huge mistake to not be informed well about what AI is able to do. And that's why writers like you and me have tried it out and can see its capabilities. And there's some, like you said, for myself, it's not alarm. It's really intrigue. I'm like, whoa, look what it can do. Well, look what it also can't do. You know, when I was producing a search volume for keywords and I'm comparing that to my tools, I'm like, I don't know where this data comes from. I don't know if I can trust it. So some marketers might be like just taking it without a grain of salt and are producing it. And we don't know the long-term effects of that. I think you can be a smart consumer of this technology. And if you have clients that are interested in AI, just be like, let's try it out. I'm still getting paid to help you update and edit the content. It's saving me a ton of time. Hopefully I'm getting, you know, I wouldn't propose getting any paid any less to do it, but just sort of seeing what it can do, how it evolves will be interesting for everybody. I just know a lot of people are distrusting of it, like marketers, business owners that don't want AI content. So on that side of things, if they found out their writer is just producing AI content, they would probably be mad about it. So I think like there's a lot of really strong opinions about it. I think everyone should be informed. I think the best approach for writers is to learn it and just sort of, if anyone asks you about it, you know what the technology can do and can't do. As far as it replacing all of our jobs, I don't think so. I think it's going to just be a trend that people use and they realize its limitations and yes, it's learning. But, you know, for example, I'm not inputting into the tool who, even who my target audience is or what my unique selling proposition is for my website. So it's not learning much about my brand at all, except for the prompts of what is SEO copywriting? Spit out a definition for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So in terms of it, understanding all the brands in the world and in the ins, of, ins and outs of that, you know, it's just kind of digesting what people put into it, but I don't know. I mean, it's just such an interesting technology. I, I would urge writers to not get too scared about it to the point of like paralysis. I think it's an opportunity to sort of pivot into, can I use AI to my advantage or do I need to redefine what my value is and the 
the types of clients I want to work with. So it's probably a time to sort of think more broadly about that. But I haven't had any writer come to me again, knock on wood, that's like, oh my, all my gigs were replaced by AI. I have not seen any of those stories yet. So I think it's like, I think it's just paranoia, but we'll see. Totally. Lots of opinions about it. Yeah, it is interesting. And there's a lot of talk about it. I, it's funny. I saw someone in a Facebook group say that their client actually inserted a section into a brief saying like, for this part, ask, G, you know, use chat GPT. So I think it'll be kind of like a hybrid like that, where clients understand that writers are going to use it and say like, Hey, for this part, I guess this part's a little bit generic. Use chat GPT to generate this section. I think it's possible. I think, again, as a writer, if you're educated on what it can and can't do, then you can educate your clients as well. Because if I had a client that was like, just use chat GPT for this section, I'd be like, we still need to rewrite it because it could be identical to a thousand different pieces of content because I've used it myself with varying prompts and I've gotten the same answer three to five times. So if with one person, that's the case, imagine how many millions of people are using it. So I think especially if you're going to put your brand stamp on a piece of content and then it's identical to what someone else has, or, you know, for SEO purposes, it's a, you know, exact copy of what someone else has on our website. That to me is more, let's say dangerous or harmful for your brand than anything, because I do think Google might begin sort of paying attention to this content more closely and noticing trends of duplicate content across the web, whether it can interpret it, whether it can interpret whether it was, you know, produced by AI or not, I'm not sure, but it can already flag duplicate content. So I think if you're like using it and you're just spitting it out and sending it off to your client without revising it at all, and then your client's website blog post gets tagged as being a duplicate or someone is like, says claims that it's plagiarized, plagiarized because they published it first, like that could be a huge issue. So I'm a lot more concerned with that than sort of the whole whole of the opportunity for writers to get clients. Totally. Well, let's end on this. Tell me what would be your one piece of advice for newer writers who are just starting out and they feel overwhelmed. They may be consuming a ton of content online and they just can't seem to take the action. Yeah. I think my one piece of advice, and it's kind of always been this, is just to start writing and have a quote, portfolio. And again, a portfolio could be your LinkedIn page. It could be Facebook page. It could be a medium blog, or it could be your own blog, say on WordPress, which is usually what I recommend, but I know that that comes with some costs. So if you start publishing your own content and getting some writing examples out there, it's much easier to more quickly get paying clients. I think if you're sitting around sort of waiting about how to define your brand and what your logo is going to look like and who your target audience is and like all these other overwhelming things of being a freelancer, then you're delaying the most important part is just just get some clients in the door. And to do that, you just kind of have to have a couple work examples and then the stuff just starts happening. And so when I first started, I had like a goal, I think to make like $1,500 a month as a writer. And I was like, oh, I'm going to reach that in like six months. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to just try and like start posting about content and blogging and stuff like that. And I think I got my first client the first month and my second client the second month. And I was making $1,500, I think by the second month. And then it just kind of scaled up quickly. And I'm like, thank God I didn't wait six months to launch my brand and get a logo and define my value prop and finesse all my blog articles, you know, like, so I think 
kind of just hunkering down, getting content out there and learning a lot as you go along, just get some like clients in the door. My whole goal is like get paid first. And then you have some money to put into a brand. Once you're sure what your brand is going to be, you don't need a fancy website. That's why I mentioned medium and stuff like that. So, you know, if your prerogative is like, man, I just really need to get clients, like get some clients as quickly as possible. Cause that's where the experience is going to be. That's when you're going to start learning what you like, what you don't like, the kinds of clients that you enjoy working with, the ones that you can't bear to work with again. And then your brand will come from that. If you can't just launch with like, this is my brand and my identity. And it's like, you don't know yet. So <laughs> just try to get some clients in the door, start a portfolio or a landing page or something that gets your face online with some content. And I think you'll be surprised by like how quickly people will notice you and be like, oh, I see that you write content. You want to write for me? So yeah, that would be my major piece of advice. That's really, really valuable. And what I say all the time, and I'm glad like the way you put it was great because that is the biggest thing is like people tinkering with their website and the the procrastination and thinking you need certain things to get started when really you don't. So thank you for saying that. It's all, it's all anxiety based. I totally get that. I get the same way. It's like, oh, there's something I can control, which is the color of my website more than just wanting some clients to get in. So I get, it's a little bit of a displacement of, of anxiety to focus on these little tasks, but it's kind of like rip the bandaid off, start putting yourself out there. You'll learn a lot. So yeah, I don't get too distracted with the little details that stuff comes later. Like I'm going through a rebrand right now because now I have a even stronger identity of my brand, but you know, now I have some money in the bank that can, I, I can afford to rebrand. Tell everyone the best place to find you and get in touch with you. Yeah. Best place to follow me is on LinkedIn for sure. So my name is Jessica Foster. You'll see with all my pink branding on my LinkedIn page. And then also my YouTube channel, which is the confident content writer. Like I said, I'm going through a rebrand. So some of that content is going to change, but I'm hoping to get some new content up pretty soon. And then my brand website is keysandcopy.com. There's a lot of content about SEO writing there more tactically. So if you want to learn SEO writing, that's a really good resource. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jessica. Yeah, thanks for having me.